This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, Holy Spirit, hover around us. Lord God, Holy Spirit, come inside of us. Make our bodies your temple. Lord God, reveal yourself to us today through the wonders of your work. Lead us to worship and trust you because there is absolutely no one like you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. The family sat inside the pediatric intensive care unit with their stomachs in knots. The doctors had done everything they could. It was the end of the line. Or so it seemed. While the family was nervously, anxiously, painfully toiling in that PICU room, the doctors, teams of doctors were in another room discussing the case. One of the doctors walked in into that meeting and said, you know, I, I found a study where they've got an experimental drug. I think maybe we can try it. And the doctors got together there in that room and they, and they looked at it and, and they came to the agreement that, yeah, let's, let's at least offer it to the family. So one of the doctors went to that PICU room and, and announced to the family, said, you know, just, we know we're clear. We, we know we've done everything, but we just learned of a new study and an experimental drug. We don't know if this drug will help. We don't know if this drug will hurt, if it will do anything. We don't know if you join this study, if you will get the drug or if you'll get the placebo. But this is what we do know. We do know that we need you to decide by tonight whether you want to be a part of this study or not. And so I'll give you a few hours for you guys to discuss it, and I'll come back later tonight after supper. So the family were weighing out their options, if there really were any. Later that night, the, the doctor came back into the room, the same one, came into that PICU room, and, 
and said, without saying hello, he just said, you know, I'm going to have to rescind our offer of the experimental drug. When we talked with the team of doctors who are doing this study and, and we brought to them your daughter's case, they came to the conclusion, and we did too, that there's actually too much wrong with your daughter. It will skew the study. And so there it was. Hope gone. Life all but gone. It was over and done. So it seemed. This morning, we're beginning a new study called Miracles. Nothing is impossible. You see, there, there are these times, there are these occasions where there are things that happen in a different dimension. In the, the supernatural, there is a time and, and things where God steps in and works in ways that defies reason and logic where God steps in and does things that no human being can do, no machine can do, no technology can do. So today, as we turn into God's word, a book called Colossians, we're gonna look at God's word and then the miracle of creation and of life. So from Colossians chapter 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among all the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I'm not sure, but I have a guess that there's only one of us here in this room who could follow all of that that I just read. And it's not me. These words are some of the, the deepest words. These words, scholars say, are, are the greatest testimony, the greatest confession in all of Scripture of who Jesus is and what he has done. 
These words that I just read to you, they could fill up a library, they could fill up hard drive after hard drive, and yet we're gonna try and go through them in the next 20 minutes or so. So as these words speak of Jesus and the miracle of creation and life, let's jump in. It it says of Jesus that he is the firstborn over all creation. Not that he is the firstborn of creation, not that he was the first that was created. No, Jesus isn't created. He is the firstborn over all of creation. Jesus is the one who is doing the creating. Okay? Jesus is first over creation because he was before all of creation. Jesus is first and highest in rank because Jesus is supreme over creation. Jesus is the center of creation and of life. Creation and life exists because Jesus is the author of those miracles. So how did Jesus create the world? If we go to another book in the New Testament, the book of John, it says of Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John is calling Jesus the word. We go to Psalm 33, 6, and it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. God spoke, and it was so. As you think about creation, what is something that you marvel at? What is something you just go, man, that is is, is so neat. What amazes you? What blows you away? Today, scientists tell us of creation that there's somewhere between 100 billion and 2 trillion galaxies. They assume there's more but somewhere between 100 billion and 2 trillion. They don't know, scientists don't know exactly where the end of the world is, where the end of this expanse is, but they measure it in light years. And while the scientists are guesstimating on how many galaxies there are and and how big the expanse is, God knows exactly how many galaxies there are. He sees them. He created them. He knows exactly how big the expanse of the world is. It's it's in the palm of his hand. So again, God sees all of creation and he's placed all of creation in its just right spot. See, scientists tell us that we live in in what they call the Goldilocks zone. 
Maybe some of you will remember that book, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Maybe you share it with your children or, or your grandchildren. Remember, that's where the, the three bears are away from home and Goldilocks goes in and, and takes over the place. And, and there's a section in the book, the story with the porridge, and then a section in the book about chairs and then, and then about beds. Right? And, and at each time, each section, Goldilocks finds something that's just right. So for example, with the porridge, she, she goes into the house, she runs into the bowls of porridge, and there's one that's, that's too hot. And then she goes to the next one, and it's too cold. And then she goes to the next one, and it's just right. It's not too hot, and it's not too cold. God has placed us, the earth, in the Goldilocks zone. If we were too close to the sun, it would be too hot for life. If we were further away, too far away from the sun, it would be too cold. But we're in the perfect spot. It's just right for life. And that brings us to the miracle of life. God breathed in to mankind the breath of life. And mankind was enlivened and freshened and has a soul that is eternal, that will live forever. And about our bodies, this is what Psalm 139 says about how God made our bodies. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Our bodies are one miracle right after another. There, there's so much going on inside our bodies. I'm told the central nervous system for a human being spans like 60,000 miles. That means the central nervous system that I have in my body and your body, that if we were to stretch it around the equator, it'd go around two times and have 10,000 miles left over. The central nervous system is sending and receiving so many messages all of the time that it makes the world's busiest airport look like that airport shut down. There's so much going on inside of our bodies that God made. When scientists discovered DNA, it was revolutionary. It was a revelation. It was surprising. It was amazing to everyone except God. He knew all about it. That's how he made us. And while scientists today are still trying to figure out how you and I can have memories and, and how we have consciousness and things like that, and we just can't figure that out right now, God already knows. Psalm 139 again says, you perceive my thoughts 
from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, you Lord, know it completely. So scientists figured out one day while we have memories and conscious thoughts and things like God already knows. At the end of creation, God looked over everything. And maybe some of you will recall what God said. God said, looking over it all, he goes, it's very good. So what happened? If we look at the events of the world, we're going, it's not very good. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's floods. There's tornadoes. There's earthquakes. There's anger. There's animosity. There's hatred. There's polarization. There's prejudice. There's confusion, there's frustration, there's a lack of trust. There's sickness, disease, and death. If Jesus is the author of life, why is there death? If everything was good, Let me explain it to you this way. When God created the trees and when he created the vegetation, this is what he said. He said, let the land, let the land produce vegetation. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. God was talking to the land. You see, if you take the the vegetation out of the land, you know what happens. It begins to dry up and shrivel up and die. Belongs in the land. When God created fish, he, he said, let the water Let the water team with living creatures. And so I placed the fish in the water. And you know what happens if you take a fish out of water? You know, when that that goldfish jumps out of the aquarium, that goldfish immediately starts to suffer and die. When God created mankind, this is what he said. Then God said, let us. He didn't say let the land. He didn't say let the water. He said, let us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make mankind in our own image. When human beings become disconnected from God, they begin to suffer and then die. 
See, God is our natural environment. We were created to live in the presence of God and to be connected to him. It's only in him that life exists. So how did we get disconnected from God? Well, Adam and Eve, they were living their best life. It was amazing. Everything was very good. And then Eve was tempted and went to that one tree out of all the trees that God had created, that one tree, one tree in the whole world that she was not supposed to eat from, to give her an opportunity to show her obedience and love to God. She wasn't supposed to eat from this tree. She gets tempted by it. She looks at the fruit and goes, man, that looks good. You know, it kind of looks like all the fruit on the other trees. This is, this is going to be all right. What could go wrong? And so she disconnected it off the branch. And she ate some and she gave some to Adam. And right away things changed. When they disconnected that fruit and, and ate it, they disconnected themselves from God by disobeying his word. And everything changed. They ran away in fear. They began to die. And the thing is, is this sin is hereditary. It's passed on from one generation to the next. But, but let's be fair, too. Let's not just heap on, on on Adam and Eve. It, it is hereditary, but we all, all of us, no matter who we are, we've all made decisions and choices. We've all expressed thoughts and, and attitudes and words that are opposite of God. We've all looked at something, you know, that, that we've been told, don't do that. And we think, what could go wrong? We have our own sin. The scripture tells us each of us has turned to our own way. Here's some evidences, just some evidences of our disconnected life from God, our, our turning to our own way. There's burning anger. There's anxiety and fear. There's addiction, there's adultery, there's bullying, there's they deserve it attitudes, there's defensiveness, there's insecurity, there's pain, there's pride, there's selfishness, there's tolerating sin. And as you know, I could go on. A, a disconnected life is full of all kinds of these things. It's full in many ways. But it is empty. And it ends in death. 
So you've seen the evidence. Do you have any hope? Or are you at the end of the line? Is it done? Humanly speaking, it's done. Jesus, the author and creator of life and eternal life, isn't going to give up. He wants to bring us new life and eternal life. And so the scriptures go on and say, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, the author and creator of human life. Jesus, God over all, author and creator of human life, takes on human life into his being so that God and man are one in Jesus. Two different natures, one person. That's a miracle. Okay. God takes on that human flesh and lives under the exact same law that you and I lived under, all people have always lived under, and Jesus lived perfectly. He lived the way that we were created to live. He lived the way that we were supposed to live. Even though he had great temptations and opportunities for personal gain. He remained perfect. Even though he had great temptation and great struggles to do things to avoid intense pain. Through it all, whatever it was that came about, Jesus remained connected to his heavenly father and our heavenly father so that he could reach across and connect us back to God. But that's only part of it. If Jesus had just done that, we'd have no hope. It'd be done. There was more. Jesus needed to make restitution for our poor choices, our bad decisions, our horrific actions, our words. And keep in mind, that restitution wasn't as simple as Jesus go on the timeout chair. It was the restitution was not Jesus, you can't have your smartphone for a week. It wasn't Jesus, you're not going to be able to drive for the next two weeks. No, the, the restitution, the, the payment, was his life. He had to be done. The author and creator 
of life had to be done to make restitution. See, the wages, the scriptures tell us the wages of sin is death. Jesus had to pour out his blood on the cross to make the payment. Blood is another one of those things about our body that's amazing. Our blood goes through our body, traveling all over the place, bringing oxygen and nutrients and taking away bad stuff like carbon dioxide. Our blood has these amazing things called white blood cells. They're the warrior blood cells. They're those cells that fight off infection and disease and germs. There are times where you and I were going to get super sick and we didn't know anything about it because our white blood cells attacked and won. But as amazing as our blood is, it's nothing at all like the blood of Jesus. The scripture says the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. His blood carries away all of our sin. His blood washes away all of our sin. See, that's the thing about Christianity. The thing that makes it so different than every other world religion, ideology, and philosophy. What makes Christianity so different than all these things is Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The scripture says it this way. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification to be declared not guilty. That's what that means. So how do I get that declaration of being not guilty? How how do you and I get that declaration? How do we get reconnected? How do we get restored? How do we get renewed? How do we get new life? How are we saved? Or because of our past, Are we already too far gone and done? Scripture says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in Jesus and his works and you will be saved. You see, it's it's not about the work we do for God. It's the work that God has done for you. Your past, no matter what it is, does not negate or overcome the power of God's grace in your life. Jesus came and died so that he could take back his life, conquering death, And so that he could give you life again, also conquering death. For the believers in Jesus, no matter your past, because of Jesus, you're not done. You've actually only begun. See that little girl? who was too messed up 
to have the experimental drug? Well, that little girl's church had a prayer service for her. And it was right in the, in the middle of that prayer service where God decided to do what only God could do. What no human being could do, what no machine could do, what no technology could do. God decided to intervene in a miraculous way, restore her to life. Right in the middle of that prayer service, that little girl's numbers turned for the first time toward the good. And life was restored. I understand that one day, that little girl will die. But because she believes in Jesus, She'll actually just keep on living, just in another place. See, for the, for the believer, death is it's just kind of like a doorway. From one room to the next, from one life to the next. See, the author and creator of life said, because I live, you also will live. It's the miracle of eternal life. Let's pray. Lord God, you give life and you are love. You bring light into darkness. You give hope and you restore. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. And so we pour out our praise because there's no one like you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.